Hi, I'm Marlo Higgins, and I've spent nearly four decades as an entrepreneur building boundaries around time and energy. I am captivated by stories of creating that mythical balance between priorities and success without the guilt and fear of missing out. I'm a to-the-point business coach that helps start a company, rebrand another, and launch my own. Now I'm running a thriving online brand with the white space in my calendar to spend time with my family, nurture my soul, and create an impact in our world. Are you dreaming of striking a balance between a thriving business and a joyful life? It is possible, and it starts with you. Get out your field notes, and let's tap into Peaceful Achievers, inspiring you to create a vision, level up your skills, and show you how to set boundaries that support the life you desire. This is 22 Minutes to Having It All. All right, welcome back to this week's episode. Now, you're going to get excited because we have Eric Huberman, and he's the founder and CEO of Hawk Media. He's also the author of The Hawk Method, which are the three principles of marketing that made over 3,500 brands soar coming out um, this March 2022. Hawk Media is the fastest growing marketing consultancy agency. And so we talk about, you know, the biggest brands in the world. How do they make it to the top? And Eric says, you know, it's more than just a well-balanced billboard or a TV ad because it's all about the common framework behind every successful marketing strategy. This episode, we dig into the distilled art of marketing, into the three core elements of awareness and nurturing and trust. We talk about, you know, even like return on investment and how to look at our marketing dollars from an ROI standpoint and what we should consider and what we should be thinking about. And so it's a really rich and dynamic episode with Eric. I'm really excited. He comes to us from Santa Monica, California, and I know that you are going to get a lot of value from it. So, you know, be sure to share your, you know, share this with your friends and make sure that you are subscribing to our weekly podcast that comes out every Tuesday because it serves clients just like you listening right now with key strategies and takeaways from others who have charted the path. And so it's the path of least resistance when you can get some insight and some strategy from those who have done it before. So, all right, enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you again next week. So Eric, you're coming to this podcast to share with us about this new book, The Hawk Method. And it's the three principles of marketing that's made over 3,500 brands. So what what does that even mean, Eric? And how did you get into this space? Yeah, so what it means is we've actually worked been the outsourced CMO and marketing team to over 3,500 brands and helped all those brands grow, be successful, etc. through a marketing methodology. And how I got into it was... Uh, trying to make a long story short. I went into real estate out of college in 2008, one week before the entire banking industry collapsed. So I had to scramble to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because real estate, which I thought was going to be my calling, was not going to work. I uh, ended up launching an online music company a year later, and consecutively after that, launched two e-commerce brands, and all of which did well, but were driven by marketing. And so without having necessarily a prior passion for marketing, I realized how important and critical it was to driving growth for a business. So I really doubled down on it. And that's where I focused because I found operationally, I had an easy time like figuring out how to produce t-shirts or deliver marketing or sorry, business coaching for uh, musicians. None of that was hard for me, but how to get customers and sell them and get them to buy, that was the difficult part. And so I focused on it. And after you know years and years of doing it for my own businesses, I realized I had a bit of a knack for it. And so started helping other companies do it. Found that most of the industry, meaning the marketing industry, is 
a lot of snake oil and a lot of BS and really hated how hard it was to find great marketing and thought that that was ridiculous and it, you know, great marketing should be accessible. And that was really the birth of Hawk. We, we, I hired a small little SWAT team to help some companies I was advising for to be their sort of outsourced CMO and marketing team. And we saw that right away it worked really well. We kept things nimble, flexible. And but we're really passionate about being great at what we did. And it just started to grow from there. I mean, yeah, nobody's immune. I think that marketing is difficult. You know, we serve the entrepreneurial space. And I think, you know, just that statement alone, it makes perfect sense. But I'm curious too with this, Eric. So you took yourself from, you know, launching a a music company, like you pivoted. How's your happiness in that space? I mean, like, Obviously, you know, you're in the marketing space. You never thought you would be there. Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, like kind of giving up almost, let's say it's a dream to start in one area and then end up being wildly successful in another. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, you know, you, people, you, you're taught as a kid, and I feel like it's very cliche in our society to talk about like pursuing your passion and doing what you're passionate about. But I think people mix fun and passion, so to speak, where it's like, I, I grew up playing music. I have a guitar, guitar sitting right behind me. Like, and I'm terrible, by the way. Like, I can play, I can jam, but like, I'm not a good musician. I'm not going to get... It's not going to be my career. And thankfully, I became real... I realized that at like 12, 13 years old. Because as a kid, I was going to be a rock star. Though. No, and that was, that was it. And so I, I guess as a young age, I learned the lesson of like, it's okay to have a hobby and be passionate mm-hmm. about a hobby. And then also have something you're really good at that makes you money because that has its level of joy too. Like I, you know, I don't have to do what I do anymore. We've been offered to sell this company for way more than I would ever need to retire my grandkids, but I love it. So I don't do that. And so loving it and having it be your only calling and passion, I think are two different things. And what I love about business is really the sandbox and trying things and, you know, learning things and growing and the, you know, the idea of growth, which is why Hawk Media ended up being resonating so well with me was my job now is to learn and grow through learning and growing other companies. And so it became, it's always, it's kept my interest. We now just turned eight years old, which is crazy to say, but I, I'm not bored ever. So yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that spirit needs to, you know, to stay alive. So yeah. here's the cool part too. You've got the Hawk method. So, you know, talk to us, what is the Hawk method and, and how did you formalize or build that framework? Yeah, it happened pretty organically. So the Hawk method is really our marketing methodology. And it comes down to three principles of marketing, awareness, nurturing, and trust. And what we look at is it's almost a tripod of like, how do you create awareness, new awareness for your product or service? And then what do you do with that awareness to actually convert them to a customer? Because one of the biggest things we see people miss is when from the time someone learns about you to the time they buy, there's a period in there. And so many people with the, you know, kind of rise of digital marketing and too many Excel spreadsheets don't understand that time comes into play. So you look at this like input output model without putting time into it. And they don't realize that like when you spend money today on marketing, it can take weeks to months to actually see the results of that. And so what you do during that period really helps you maximize it. And then trust also synonymous with brand, but how do you build your brand? How do you get third party validation? How do you build trust with customers? Because 75% of people won't buy from a company they don't trust. And so building that methodology really started by we I, you know it was almost just intuitively did it and then saw it working and then really where i think we or where i know we flushed out this methodology is part of our job is to go look at new businesses and go here's what you're missing here's you know doing an audit of what their marketing is and over time you're doing so many you start to come up with a methodology of like how do i look at marketing quickly and go this is exactly what's working and not and this is what we need to focus on to help this company and I found myself over and over again looking at what are they doing to create new awareness? What are they doing to nurture that? What are they doing to build trust? 
And then I started, I do a lot of public speaking. People started asking me to speak about marketing and bar, you know, how we do it. And over time, it, I honed and honed that message. And then frankly, now like two years ago, two and a half years ago, met a guy that said, Hey, have you thought about writing a book? I was like, I don't. And he's like, and then he said, what would you write about if there was a book idea? And I said, I'd probably write about these three pillars of marketing. And he would happen to be a ghostwriter and write, have a book launch company. We partnered up and yeah. started writing it. Yeah. And I think that's how things, those things happen. No, I love that the fact it was so organic and intuitive because I think intuition's your, your pure oracle to success mm-hmm. in life. How do, you, how do you tap into it? If, if you're like, I mean, take us down to that moment where you knew that you were onto something and you, you, you had the feeling that, man, this is, this is going to work. Yeah. Take us there. Like, give us some guide because people are listening to this going, okay, Eric, you did this. That's impressive. How can I? Yeah. What I try to do is, so your intuition, your gut, however you put it, is usually your brain working faster than you can comprehend. And so it's the subconscious or what I, there's probably more science to this than I could articulate, but it really comes down to what I've found is when my gut is telling me something, it's because I, my brain has worked faster than I can actually keep up. And so then what I do try to do is understand, okay, why is my gut... Like I do actually try to then figure out why my gut's telling me that and try to hone in because I usually, it's usually right, but I still like to turn it into... R- rationalize it and create the logic around it. And you know, in this situation, my gut was telling me that this was the way we were doing things, but then you look at like, oh no, this is actually right. Like we start to, then we start to intentionally manage to these, this methodology. And then you go, oh, this works really well. And then you speak to it and you get the feedback months later that like, hey, your talk, like it changed my whole business. This works so well for me. And then frankly, we grow an entire marketing organization around it and become one of the fastest growing with this methodology. And you go, okay, I think this is like, I'm as insecure as anyone else where you're like, I think I know what I'm doing, but let's see. But then right. you get proof point after proof point after proof point. You go, okay, I can now uh, objectively say this works. So let's talk about that. I mean, so you state with conviction that without all three of awareness, nurturing, and trust, the system will fail. Yeah. So, you know, let's talk about that a little bit more um, because I think there's... Um, people are curious. So what does that even mean? So break down yeah. awareness and nurture and trust. Yeah. So awareness, again, how you introduce yourself to new potential customers. So if you don't do that, if you don't fill the top of the funnel, so to speak, you have this existing base of customers. I've seen this a lot, by the way. So it's not like... It's some people might laugh, like who would do that? A lot of big companies do this where they stop advertising. They don't really drive any word of mouth. They're not building new awareness for their brand, but they have this great existing base. The problem is inherently, you're going to have some customer churn. Not, it might not be huge. It might be great at retaining customers. But once in a while, I, just not to be morbid, but like someone's going to die eventually. Like you're going to lose customers. I've actually seen this where a company hasn't driven customers in for so long that their customer base is literally dying. They're getting older. And so you, you have to drive in new customers to grow or sustain a business or you're just going to start to slow decline if you're good or fast decline if you're not good at keeping your customers. So that's awareness, kind of a no-brainer. And nurturing... If you're driving a ton of awareness, but not doing anything to nurture it, it's really expensive. You're getting tons of people that are aware of you, but you're not doing anything to convert that to actual customers. And we've seen just doing small nurturing, incremental nurturing strategies can drive three to four times the returns that without doing it. And so you're missing out on you know three to four X your revenue, which it's a competitive world. So you're spending the same amount of money for advertising, but not converting it at the same rate. You're going to be competing against people that make way more money off those ads than you do, and you're going to end up losing. So 
And also, again, highlighting the purchase cycle or consideration period, there's a time between when someone comes aware of you and someone buys, you have to stay in touch or you lose a lot of them. So really honing in on that nurturing part is critical for actually driving profitable growth. And then trust, which was the third pillar, is that I mentioned earlier, like 75% of people don't buy from a company they don't inherently trust. So if you want to lose 75% of your potential customers, don't build trust, I guess, but like third-party validation, building a brand, all these things help you convert at a much, much higher rate and a huge portion of the the, uh, the consumer base out there that won't buy unless you build that trust. So those three things, every one of them is critical. So Eric, tell us, you know, give us just a taste of an example of a nurturing strategy. Yeah, email marketing, creating drip campaigns. So when someone comes to your website and you collect an email address and then you follow up with them over time, that's nurturing. That's what we mean. It's also, we we like SMS marketing is a huge tool that we've got really doubled down on the past two and a half years. And it's even more effective than email marketing, creating content so that people have a reason to come back to your site above and beyond a purchase decision. So they're engaging with you over and over again. Because the real idea here is, it, it, it's all, and again, none of these are, there's no like clear delineation or line between these. You can create awareness, nurturing, and trust through one channel. But for example, content, you're building trust over time because they're getting to know how you articulate your message better. They're seeing what you stand for. You're nurturing them because you're staying in touch with them. And through that time that they're trying to decide whether they're going to buy your product or not. And a lot of times you can create great awareness with content because content's going to be shared a lot more frequently than a product or a service. So if you're Potential customers and your existing customers may share your content, create more word of mouth. So there's different tactics that have all of these things. Same thing with PR. You can create awareness and nurturing and trust with PR. But they're, but the idea is to make sure that you're covering all those things. So what's a company that you've worked with, Eric, that you had a lot of fun in creating the campaign or, or bringing this, this concept forward with? Give us an example. Barstool Sports was a really fun one. We okay. helped launch their e-commerce. And because the awareness piece was almost created for us, like it's Barstool. So they had a huge amount of awareness, but nurturing that and creating trust around their products was really where the focus was. And so getting people back, like they're used to digesting their content, but not necessarily buying from them. And so that was fun because one thing was covered in a unique way. So it's those unique ones that are super fun a lot of the time where it's like, they're they're not just a straight up, product e-commerce site, which that can be fun too, depending on the business. But it's it's the ones that have like really unique nuances at this point. Because again, we've worked with thousands of brands. When there's something really unique about it, that's what makes it fun. So you also offer like an a la carte and a month-to-month fee structure. Talk about pricing a little bit. So people are listening to this episode. You know, what's the advantage of, of doing that type of pricing? And let's go there for a minute. Yeah, the advantage is no barrier to entry. So you know, from a sales and marketing principle, like our churn is going to be higher, but our cost to acquire customer is going to be lower. So we can afford to get way more customers in and then it's our job to retain them. And then, and it didn't come from necessarily a, that kind of a business strategy. Where it came from was I ran brands before this and I thought it was ridiculous that I had never worked with an agency and they're asking me to sign an annual deal. And I remember it's like, you want me to get married before we ever date? Like, no. And so I just thought like, why don't I put my money where my mouth is? And like, let's be month to month. And if we do good work, they'll stick with us. And if we don't, they'll leave. Turns out there's other reasons people leave. They run out of money. They have problems. But frankly, there is. it's very unusual that we lose a client that we should have kept if we had a long-term contract. But once in a while, you get someone that's flippant. And like one little thing happens after working together for years and they fire us. And you're like, what are you doing? Like everything's working. People get irrational. That's the part that suffers by being yeah. month to month. Yeah. But that little, it's a small piece. And for everything, for that, you it's like, we always talk about no rules for exceptions. That's an exception. And the rule is people stick with us if we do good work. 
and communicate well. Turns out that communicating what we're doing and being really good communicators is actually more important than doing great work. Both are important to us, but for our clients, communication goes a lot further than good performance. Well, and I think there's natural attrition. I think you want to let go of those people. Who wants to work with them, right? If they're not going to be a partner in the in the process, um, you've gotten to where they are. So you've got to bless and release at some point as well. And we found now that like a lot of clients will come work with us for a few months and then be like, let's put a longer term contract in place. Let's commit. And we're totally comfortable doing that. We just don't want to force it. No, no, I think it's smart. And I think, you know, that pricing is a big issue. Okay, so here's one more point as we come into the close of the episode. You know, return on investment with, from a marketing perspective, what is the thing that companies or individuals should be thinking about when it comes to ROI? And like, what's a really good way to anchor into that? Because I know that always is coming forward. And sometimes it can be tough to measure. So give us your insight there. I really like looking at the global number first, meaning what, how much are you spending on marketing and sales and how much money are you making? Like start there. And I think that's the, that's a critical first part. And then once you have that number, then go into the individual performance of the individual channels. And I think you have to look at a timeline too, because again, back to purchase cycle, you know, we've seen that you, like a $50 product on e-commerce, the average purchase cycle is three weeks for 200 bucks. It's like six weeks to eight weeks. So. If you're not measuring on, you know, for months and watching that entire cycle, and frankly, understand your own purchase cycle, know what that number is for your business, you're not measuring your marketing well if you're not incorporating that number. And so knowing your overall spend to that, because I also think that, as you mentioned, there's a lot of things you can't track directly. Content is a good example of this. You should definitely create content as a company. That doesn't mean that you're going to be able to draw a direct line to how much you spent on content and how much it made you. But that's not really how marketing worked pre-Facebook and Google anyways. Like You still looked at overall marketing budgets and the performance of the company, but you weren't watching ROAS. Like ROAS has become a really unliked term for me because I think usually it's misreported. Usually it's not being looked at, right? Because you're looking at ROAS. You, people take ROAS, they look at it like today. I spent 10 grand today. I only made 20. Well, yeah, but you ramped up the past three days. Your purchase cycle is a month. It's going to take a month before you see the returns on that. Like people don't understand this. And it's, it is a simple concept when explained, but people forget the rational thought around this and they look at their numbers and they end up cutting things off that they could have been successful with because they don't understand how to look at that piece of marketing. Well, and it's scarcity, you know, I yeah. mean, I think too, and yeah. overreaction, I yeah. think managing expectation in anything, you know, and just and like you said, solid communication talk about it, you know, before you yeah. jump ship. I think that's a very big catalyst moment. Okay. So one more point, how do you build a successful team in times like we are in today? You know, you obviously are not doing this alone, Eric. Hawk Media has got to be comprised of a lot of talented individuals. How do you find them and how do you retain them? Yeah, it's, I think it just comes with intent. If you're trying to build a great place to work and you continue to, you know, fight with it, I think it, that goes with like anything. I always talk about it with good drivers. To me, a good driver is someone that cares to be a good driver. You know, if you take pride in something, I think most people are capable of doing it. If you take pride, you take your time, you try to understand, you try to do things that, and I think the intent goes a long way, intent and action, obviously. But because we've actually seen, while we've, we're in the great resignation or whatever they call it, we've actually seen better employee retention than we had in the past because we had problems with it way before the great resignation because agencies generally do. But I was like, I don't want to accept that. Let's go figure out how to fix the things that are, we're losing employees that we don't want to lose. You know, there's kind of like clients, there's also employees that it's like, it's okay, it's time for them to move on. And that happens. But 
So it's not about irrationally keeping employees, but the people you want to keep, you have to make an environment that you can keep them. And that's, it's a constant battle, but it's something that we, in, we fight and we have intent around. And so we win it more than we lose it. Yeah. Okay. So final thoughts. I mean, how would you like to leave the audience today with this episode, Eric? Yeah. Well, pre-launch the book. And so our book's coming out March 8th, but it's pre-launched now and need all the support. We're trying to hit 20,000 book sales and get that New York Times bestseller. So it's the Hawk Method. So hawkmethod.com or on Amazon, Target, Walmart, etc. Would love the support and spread the word because the whole intent of the book, it's you know not expensive. The idea is to democratize and make it easy for people to learn how to do marketing and understand at least the basic principles that they can look at a marketing strategy and understand it. And I found this, whether it's marketing students or CEOs or marketing executives, it seems to have been helpful. And this is something we've done verbally the past eight years. We've talked about this methodology, but now we've put it in a book to make it easy to obtain. Yeah, which is a different process to put pen to paper and to try to take that that whole concept and, and put it in writing. It's a, yeah, definite, different. But it's paper. beneficial. It helps articulate the things. Again, it goes from intuition to now we can articulate exactly what it is and honed in on it and feel really good about it. It's been great. Well, it validates. It validates everything that you've been working towards. So Eric, this was just a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Did you enjoy this conversation as much as I did? If you're looking for more conversations like these, be sure to subscribe and please leave a review of the podcast. Subscribing and leaving a review helps it show up on your phone every time a new episode is released and leaving a review helps other people like you find us so they can get the help they need so they can live their best life. Also, subscribe to our weekly email on our website at marlohiggins.com. This is the place that we share insider tips with our audience and drop polarizing insights with you. Remember, the road to success is better with friends. So be sure to share this episode to help all of you reach your goals together. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, success is universally desired, personally defined, and always within reach.